Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. October 30th, 2019, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Funeral arrangements have been made for Congressman John Connors, who passed away on Saturday, Sunday at the age of 90. We'll share those details with you and what prominent speakers will be featured. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida goes in on the head of immigration services, telling him his policies reflect white supremacy. A Donald Trump nominee for a federal appeals court breaks down in tears. Oh my God, really? during a Senate committee as he heard reaction to the American Bar Association that says he simply isn't qualified. Oh, The family of Antoine Rose will receive nearly $1.2 million from a settlement in the federal civil lawsuit filed against East Pittsburgh and former police officer Michael Rosfeld. The Big Four broadcasters are trying to squash Lowcast, a startup that makes television streaming free. Wait until y'all hear 
how we are getting screwed by these cable companies. And a fond farewell to our friend, actor, and comedian, John Witherspoon, who passed away yesterday at the age of 77. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. of Congress, family and friends continue to express their condolences for the late former Congressman John Conyers, who died on Sunday at the age of 90. Here's what some of his colleagues had to say on the House floor yesterday. Thank you very much. Um, and let me first of all thank you for organizing this special order that gives all the rest of us the opportunity to come and pay tribute to my hero. As a matter of fact, I'm old enough to remember in a very vivid way the late 1950s and early 1960s when it was people like John Conyers, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, Whitney Young, and other heroes of the period. So John, although he was elected in Michigan, he was really all of our congressmen. <laughs> he was the representative for all of us. We didn't have 55 African-American or black members of Congress at that time, but we had those voices that were strong, vibrant, those voices that gave hope. You know, there was so much hope and possibility being expressed during that period that those of us who were emerging had no idea that there was anything that we couldn't accomplish, any changes that we couldn't bring about, any possibilities that did not exist. And that, to me, was the true essence of John Conyers. I was tremendously impressed with John because he was always for the underdog. He was always for the little guy, always for the little person, always representing those who were left out, those who were unheard, those even who were unheard of. I don't think there was any place in America where action was going on that John didn't go. As a matter of fact, at the time when we were electing the first African-American mayor in the city of Chicago, John was there every week. We thought he had moved to Chicago. 
that he didn't live in Detroit. I mean, every week from the time, I guess, he left here and churches and churches and block parties and every place that you could possibly turn, there was John Conyers. So John has given the very best that you can give to his wife and sons and other members of his family. We say thank you for lending all of us to John. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I thank uh, the chair and the anchor for this special order hour, Congresswoman uh, Brenda Lawrence, uh, for your commitment, your dedication, and for your service, not just to the people of Detroit, uh, but to uh, the people of this great nation. And I join uh, with my colleagues, not only in the Congressional Black Caucus, but this body of government as a whole, in mourning a giant in the legacy of Representative John Conyers. Representative John Conyers was a force to be reckoned with, a leader of the civil rights movement who stood tall in the House of Representatives for more than a half century, the longest serving African American congressman. During his 53 years as the representative for the part of Michigan encompassing Detroit, Congressman Conyers fought for the people of his state tooth and nail. Congressman Conyers was known as the Dean of the House of Representatives, and he paved the way for all of us who are here this evening. And I really believe that we stand on his shoulders. Speaking to his legacy, he was a co-founder of the Congressional Black Caucus. And so the fact that we are now 54 members in number, representing more than 84 million people across the country, it was the vision of people like Congressman Conyers and others who allowed the Congressional Black Caucus uh, to come forward. He also led the charge to declare, as has been stated, a national holiday in honor of the great Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr., a day Congressman Conyers fought for tirelessly that we now hold in our hearts as a day of remembrance for the legacy of another fearless leader. He also served on two powerful committees as chairman, the House Oversight Committee, and then we just passed, uh, or, uh, lost the passing of the chairman of that great committee, Chairman Cummings, and the House Judiciary Committee, which has great responsibility. And in both, he never shied away from speaking truth to power. As has been stated uh, by my good friend, uh, Congressman Evans, one of his early models was register, vote, run for office. It's power that counts. So we will continue to harness this power to promote the ideals that Congressman Conyers espoused during his career. And I wanted to note, uh, I don't think I shared this with uh, Congresswoman Lawrence, but um, there's a group called the Detroit Connection. And because so many people uh, tend to come to Las Vegas to retire, we have yes. a big contingency yes, of Detroit uh, people. Yes. And they have an event every year yes. called the Detroit Connection. They raise money, they provide scholarships, and I was so honored one year to have Congressman Conyers come to Las Vegas 
and attend the event for the Detroit Connection. And it made that uh, group, um, they, it made them feel so good uh, to know that their champion and their representative was still there. So we will use the privilege of serving, I know I will as one of the new younger members, to continue to fight for equality and justice for all, just as Congressman Con Conyers did during his 53 years here on Capitol Hill. Tonight, we honor him with our words, but tomorrow, we must honor him with our actions. Con Congressman Conyers, we will continue the good work you started all those years ago. May you rest in power. Thank you, and I yield back. Thank you so much, and thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today with a heavy heart in joining um, my beloved colleague, who also represents the city of Detroit in paying tribute to uh, our wonderful late, Cong uh, late Congress member, John Conyers, the longest serving African American in the United States Congress, a true civil rights icon and visionary, and the man who will forever be our congressman. The Honorable John Conyers Jr.'s mission to make sweeping changes in civil rights by fighting on behalf of the people started well before he ever stepped on into the United States House floor. One of the things that he said is we've got a, at, at the passing of, of, of Rosa Parks, his dear friend, has said that we've got a tremendous legacy to fulfill. You can't maintain a democracy and an empire simultaneously. And he said, Rosa, you taught me that. But when he first was sworn into the Congress in 1965 during a time of great social unrest in our country's history, he embarked on what we would become a 50-year tenure of service to our people that would result in that mission being accomplished and then some. Indeed, his more than 50 years of service brought forth the vision of reparations for African Americans, the centering of voting rights, a continued push for universal health care, the creation of the Congressional Black Caucus, and the inspiration of not just those in Detroit who worked tirelessly for that, but he directly impacted many, many countless Americans across the country. When I first was elected to succeed Congressman Conyers, I knew that I had a tremendous legacy to carry. It is a tremendous, it's that tremendous legacy that propels my work on behalf of Michigan's 13th Congressional District that I fight for every single day. I remember when I was in his presence of greatness. He never exhibited anything less than grace and kindness. He always paused and took time to talk to the residents. He taught me that. Sadly, the last time I spoke to him was at his 90th birthday celebration in Detroit. He was joyful, and yes, he still had the presence of greatness, as Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence saw for herself as well. Detroit and our district will sorely miss him. May he rest in peace as we continue to fight for what he fought for so long and unwavering, with unwavering strength for jobs, justice, and peace. I pray that his wife, Monica Conyers, and the family find strength during this difficult time. Thank you. Five designers. It's unbelievable. All right, folks, 
We're sitting here uh, talking about, of course, uh, black empowerment. Of course, that's what something Congressman John Conyers was all about as well. We certainly appreciate those members of Congress sharing their thoughts uh, with regards to John Conyers. Reverend Dr. William Barber expressed his admiration for the congressman in a tweet saying this. When Rosa Parks needed a job and a place to go out of the South, she went to work for John, John Conyers. Uh, over his life, he was right on civil rights, right on reparations, right on health care, right on living wages, right on justice. All right, folks, the city of Detroit has lost one of its favorite sons. And also, let me give you some funeral information here as well. The funeral will take place um, uh, on Monday, Monday uh, at uh, 10 a.m. at Greater Grace Temple, 3500 West Seven Mile Road in Detroit. Again, that's going to be 11 a.m. Public viewing is going to take place at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History uh, on the following dates. It'll be on Saturday, November 2nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And on Sunday, November 3rd from noon to 6 p.m. Uh, and so the graphic says noon to 5 p.m., but uh, the story in the Detroit News says it was noon to 6. Uh, and they also are making adjustments to that, so actually that may change as well. Of course, you might remember, it was Aretha Franklin. She was, uh, she was of course, lying in state there at the Charles Wright Museum. Joining us right now uh, to share his thoughts and reflections on Congressman John Conyers is Wendell Anthony, Reverend Wendell Anthony, of course, who is the uh, leader of the NAACP in Detroit. Reverend Anthony, how you doing? Fine, Roland. How you doing, man? You know, um... 90 years old, 53 years served in Congress. The reality, though, is that he resigned with allegations of sexual harassment, and essentially all of that has been wiped away. Uh, normally, someone of his stature uh, will get far more accolades, lots more attention, uh, but in a, in a sense, if it wasn't for black media, the death of John Conyers would barely be noticed. Well, Roland, there's an old African proverb that says, until the lion tells his own story, tells that a hunt will always glorify the hunter. That's why you are in black media. That's why you're Roland Martin. That's why you do what you do, because you know we cannot depend on other folks to tell our story. John Conyers is an icon in our community. You cannot wipe out 53 years of service to women, to labor, to faith base, to refugees, to everybody, to presidents, to mayors, senators, congresspeople, uh, 53 years about certain allegations. And yes, everybody should be treated fairly. But I would dare say as a minister, I know that we all fall short of the glory of Christ. And one of the things that we do is to judge the totality of one's life experience. And when I look at the life experience of John Conyers, when I look at somebody who has stood in the gap for you and for me, when I look at somebody who's founded the Congressional Black Caucus with others, when I look at somebody who has stood up for Haitian refugees when folk in Florida were shooting at them when they were trying to come here for liberty and justice for all, when I look at John Conyers stood in the gap for a president, Bill Clinton, who saved him from impeachment, when I look at somebody who has stood in the gap to preserve our nation, from right-wing extremist federal judges who wanted to take us back 50 years and now look and see what we got. When I look at somebody who went to jail to preserve the freedom and the democracy of Nelson Mandela, who gave Rosa Parks a job when nobody else would. 
who stood with Martin Luther King when everybody was afraid of him and ran away from him. When I look at that, I'm looking at the totality of John Carnes. I'm not looking at the small expose that someone wants to put in terms of allegations. He was for Me Too before the Me Too had a movement. He was for Black Lives and said Black Lives Matter before we had Black Lives Matter folk running around and talking about that. And no, I'm not excusing anything. But I'm saying, let's look at the totality of everything. You got a president rolling. You got it. A president that's running around and talking about he likes to grab people by their personal parts. He's the president of the United States who's committed treacherous acts and traitorous acts against this nation, who is at the helm of our country. And yet somebody like John Conyers, who stood in the gap for all of us, cannot be honored and recognized for what he's done. Surely he can that's why we in Detroit and folk all over the world will never forget the impact of John Conyers. May he rest in peace. We thank God for the likes of him and what he's done for all of us. People who don't even know what John Conyers has done will be the beneficiaries of him. Elijah Cummings, God bless him and God rest his soul. He comes after John Conyers. John Conyers set the stage for men and women like Elijah Cummings, I'm sure Cummings would tell you that if he were alive today. And so I'm simply saying that it's up to you and me and us who believe in jobs, justice, and peace, which is what he fought for, to keep that memory alive. Surely we must, and we have a duty to remember not to forget. You talk about uh, how Detroit uh, re remembers him. Um, how is the city doing so? Uh, are, are you seeing uh, the kind of coverage on local television, on radio station, in newspapers, uh, befitting someone of his stature and more than a half century of service? It's coming better now, uh, Roland, but you know we have to check people and remind them, uh, even in the city of Detroit. But Detroit has recognized who John Conyers is. We're not, we're not thwarted or tainted. Uh, we're not reduced by what has occurred at the national scene and by those who ran away at the last moment and did not support him when he needed them. He supported you when you needed him. And so we're simply saying, yes, we see it. There's going to be a great tribute paid to him at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Saturday and Sunday, open to the public. And then Monday, there will be the homegoing service uh, at Greater Grace Temple Church. I'm told and I understand there'll be a number of people coming in, a number of entertainers and celebrities, a number of political people, a number of members from the Congressional Black Caucus, former President Bill Clinton is coming in uh, to pay tribute to John Conyers. So it will be a tribute befitting uh, the individual. But keep in mind, Roland, you know him just like I did. Yep. John was not um, uh, elaborate. He was not ostentatious. Uh, he was not like, you know, the Roland Martin type guy to run, went around to wear all these fancy stuff. John was just a regular everyday brother. Now, hold up, Even though he hold was up, John. Hold up, now. John, John Conyers <laughs> was all... He, let's just be clear. He was always clean. He, 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 no, he, he dressed like he was no, from Detroit now. The pocket square. <laughs> you, the gators. Now, come on now. 
Now he might what not. I'm just saying. He, he may he may not have the Kente cloth robe, <laughs> but I would see him in his red cap and Alpha side uh, jacket with his yeah, cream well, pants and red was, shoes. Well, he was he was he was a little more modest than some people. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't go way out there. But, but you and I both know, John was a very humble guy. And see, the thing I, I loved about John is that John did not have to be out front. A lot of folk got to be out front. John was content in getting the job done. He had the spirit of his father. His father was not educated like he was. And John was from Conyers. They were, his family was from Conyers, Georgia. That name, Conyers, the name that they took. And his father was a labor leader. He fought at a time when it was dangerous for black people to be organized in the labor union. That's where John got his momentum. It was Rosa Parks and his kinship to her and to Martin Luther King that got King to connect with him because John was so involved in civil rights because of what his father was about. And so John, it was a natural fit for John to be concerned about Nelson Mandela. And I can remember having many times, we used to have rolling, we used to have breakfast at my church every Sunday morning. He would come to Fellowship Chapel where I pastor. We would have breakfast in between services. And we would talk about everything that you could think of, the presidents, the governors, the senators, the counties. There was some, I only wish that I had had the, the opportunity to video those conversations mm. because they were deep conversations about everything you could think of. And John was not shy. He was very clear when we came here and had breakfast on Sunday mornings. And so when I think about John, I think of somebody who loved people from the streets to the suites. He never made a distinguishing a line between people. That's why when he went out in the street in 1967 with a bullhorn, when Detroit was having its rebellion, people respected him because they knew he was for the people. He was not ostentatious. He was not uh, flying by night. He was not here today and gone tomorrow. He was the same day after day after day. He stood up when others stood back. That's why he stood up for reparations. He stood up and brought H.R. 40 to the floor time and time again. And as you know, H.R. 40 does not do anything other than say we should have a study right. commission to study the issue. Not that we're going to start tearing off people every day, even though we need to be towed off. I mean, for those people who don't understand, that means to be distributed some remuneration for our enslavement <laughs> in America. But what I'm simply saying is that he stood up for that. And I'm glad to see now Sheila Jackson Lee Mm -hmm. is taking up that banner. So we look forward to John taking his rest, and I'm so glad that he went peacefully. He went in his sleep, and I'm told that he had breakfast that Sunday morning. He said to his son that I don't feel um, very like much like getting up and moving. I just said, I think I'll go back and have a little nap. And he went back to bed, uh, Roland, he went to sleep, and he did not wake up. And so God called him to rest. John Conyers gave us his best. The question for us is what are we willing to give everybody else? Reverend Wendell Anthony, President of Detroit, NAACP chapter. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for your thoughts and reflections on the late Congressman John Conyers. 
Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. I want to go my panel now, Monique Presley, legal analyst and crisis manager. Also, Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the Environmental Protection Agency, and also Erica, Erica Savage-Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast. So it was very interesting last night. So there were some people on social media who were not too particularly happy with me, Erica, because I dared ask the question, was Obama going to issue a statement? <laughs> and it clearly is black people st still can't say nothing about Obama. It's like Jesus, MLK, and Obama. Now, I think it now is Jesus and Obama, even before MLK. Wow. And first of all, what people don't understand is that's what we do. Right. As journalists, we, we make those calls. When John H. Johnson died, right. uh, we were pulling statements from different people and former presidents and Colin Powell and other people, and then we call Oprah. We asked the question, like, okay, they're gonna release a statement. Media mogul in Chicago, media titan dies. Uh, and uh, folks, again, I wrote a column on, ticked off Oprah, and she called. Uh, and uh, we had, had that issue. But again, that's what we do. Uh, and I think it says something about Bill Clinton. He's gonna be there Monday. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's gonna speak at John Conyers' funeral mm -hmm. on Monday yeah. when a lot of people have gone radio silent yep. because yep. of how John Conyers resigned and why he resigned from Congress in 2018. And so I'm glad you brought that up because people have to also remember that this is the same man that co-sponsored the Voting Right Act back in 1965. So what Reverend Anthony um, talked about is looking at the body of the whole person, looking at the portfolio, and that we are beneficiaries of his um, courage, his acts of... Uh, courage in um, his 26 elections um, in the House of Representatives, we have to recognize that. We also have to recognize is that he had a presence in the impeachment hearings of a President Nixon. So you saying that uh, as a journalist, but also um, talking about a politician recognizing the death of an elder statesman, that is the absolute right thing to do. Um, and so I definitely would be looking for um, some type of statement from um, the former president. And look, Mustafa, the bottom line line is here. If you don't have the voting rights after 65, there is no mm -hmm. Obama. There, there is no 55 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. There is no... I mean, I mean, we, we could go on and on and on. Um, and I believe that you do look at somebody, you do not ignore um, why he resigned. You do, not, you do not ignore those women who said that he uh, sexually harassed them. You don't ignore that, mm -hmm. but you also cannot deny uh, his legacy and what he, in what he accomplished in 53 years serving uh, the citizens of Detroit. Yeah. Most folks don't know that I worked for Chairman Conyers for two years. I traveled with him around the country. He was my mentor, he was my friend. Um, and, and it's always interesting because when you work for somebody and you get to really know them, then you also get to answer the phone for them. You get to see who comes into the office and asking for a favor, uh, who's calling and say, well, should I do this? Should I go this direction? And for people not to show up now, I think it says something about their character. Um, so we can honor, um, you know, anybody who felt like they were impacted. And as you said, we should do that. But Chairman Conyers was, was an incredible, incredible man. When we talk about health care now, when I was there, we worked on H.R. 676, was the universal health care bill. I can't tell you how many people across the country used to call and thank the congressman for raising their health care stories, you know, horror stories that were going on. 
all these other things that he focused on, I would walk with him through the airport. And he would literally, even if we were late for a plane, he would stop and he would talk to the, you know, to the, to the bellmen or the folks who are working there just as long as he would talk to somebody who is someone who everybody knew. And he used to tell me, he would say, Mustafa, never forget where you come from. Make sure that you are always honoring those people who have rolled with you and mm -hmm. you should roll with them. And that's just the type of person that he was. Monique, you served as an attorney for Bill Cosby. And I remember when the documentary was coming out of the black stuntmen. And they delayed it to remove Bill Cosby from it. And I said, I blasted them for that. And the reason I did so is because there is no black stuntmen association without what Bill Cosby did. And what I said is, Bill Cosby is sitting in prison right now. And when Bill Cosby goes on to glory, that will be a part of his story. But also the Cosby Show being number one will be a part of the story. Also the black stuntman being a part of the story. I spy a part of the story. You cannot get rid of any of that, even with a criticism over here. And I think it, to, to Mustafa's point, it's been very telling how silent a lot of people have been since his passing, who greatly benefited from him in his leadership. Yes, and in part, there's a lack of gratitude um, because just in general, when our generals get older and move on and are not anymore the lion of the house or the Senate, the stories don't pass uh, and people forget exactly how they got wherever it is they got and whose shoulders they had to stand on to do it. But they're also rolling is this thing. And I was looking at a post from um, Kadeem Hardison's mom mm. a couple of, maybe like a week ago. And I mean, and Bethany Hardison, she pulls no punches about anything. Right. Right. But, and, sh and she had to, as she was reflecting on the death of Diane Carroll and that scene that everybody kept playing over and over again from a different world and how iconic that one episode was. And she said, but none of this would have happened. But for this one and this one and this one, and yes, I will say this name too. And it's a shame to me that we almost have to apologize for giving honor where honor is due. We have to preface it. We have to make sure people know that we haven't forgotten whatever bad last act a person had. Um, and the shame of it to me with Congressman Conyers is that he resigned. Again, mm. we're seeing it happen with Franken. We're going to see it happen with others. Yeah, but we're seeing Franken, though, He's been given a show on Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. He's been, he is being brought back into the fold. Well, and in fact, I, don't be shocked if he runs for U.S. Senate. Well, and he should, is, is right. the thing. What you do when somebody...
pushes you out and takes away your due process is you fight. Mm -hmm. The shame of it was for Congressman Conyers for it ha to happen so late in life yeah. and in mm -hmm. career that instead of causing the fight, he bowed out, but it left things unsaid, um, and he was not given the benefit that he should have of process. And to me, that is that is always a shame in terms of someone's legacy. Well, folks, the uh, funeral for Congressman Conyers, again, will be on Monday, 11 a.m., uh, in Detroit. Uh, the viewing takes place on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we are getting information, trying to find out uh, if uh, a live stream is going to be available for that funeral, so we can also live stream it on the Roland Martin Unfiltered platform. Got to go to a break. When we come back, oh, just one of Trump's judicial nominees broke down in tears, y'all, because his feelings were hurt. Because the American Bar Association called him grossly unqualified to sit on the federal bench. Oh, you know I've got to show flowing white tears. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, y'all, it's the holiday season. This is when you think about spending time with family and friends. This is also when you count your blessings and support those less fortunate. This year, be a holiday hero and change someone's life forever. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you will be taken directly to jail. And if you don't have bail money, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. That could be days, weeks, or even months. Simply put, America's bail system is broken for people of color. Freedom folks should be free. That's why the Amity Foundation has partnered with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home by the Holiday campaign. The Bail Project has helped bail out thousands of people over the years, and with your help, they plan to bail out 1,000 people by New Year's Day. Now, how's that for a holiday gift? A donation from you today can change someone's life tomorrow. Let you know people of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. Now, without bail, nearly 90% of those charged with misdemeanors plead guilty. However, with paid bail, less than 2% receive the jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us to join the fight. Now, be a holiday hero and donate 25, 50, or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home by the holiday. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. Home That's homebytheholiday.com, and we want you to do it now. All right, folks, this is pretty funny. Federal Appeals Court nominee Lawrence J.C. Van Dyke broke down in tears during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on Wednesday. Why? because of a scathing letter against his confirmation by the American Bar Association after it conducted, conducted 60 interviews and concluded that he was not qualified for the federal bench. In the letter, ABA Chair William C. Hubbard said Mr. Van Dyke's accomplishments are offset by the assessments of interviewees that Mr. Van Dyke is arrogant, lazy, an ideologue, and lacking in knowledge of the day-to-day -day practice, including procedural rules. There was a theme that the nominee lacks humility, has an entitlement temperament, does not have an open mind, and does not always have a commitment to being candidate, candid and truthful. 
Well. Damn. Y'all should see Monique's face as I was reading. She was like... <laughs> Y'all got the video? <laughs> Y'all got the tears? <laughs> Damn. There's no video for it. Oh. Uh, seriously? Oh, my God. Okay, I just want to go out, Pam. Okay, Monique, I'm going to start with you. I... I mean, to do 60 interviews yeah, and call this dude lazy. I mean, they just rip... Go ahead. Well, that's the thing. That's why my face was scrunching up, because it's one thing for them to say to give a negative recommendation. You could survive that. But, yeah, I, I could see why he would bust out crying. I mean, it's basically saying he does not know how to practice law. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a jackass. I mean, that's what they said about him. <laughs> and that is, you know, and a liar. Right. And... And because, I mean, you can take intemperate, Lord, I have appeared before plenty of an intemperate type of judge. I mean, you just wander the halls and find one of those, mm -hmm. but doesn't know the basic rules for day-to-day -day operations. <laughs> That's ugly. I mean, Mustafa, the, 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 but there, there have been multiple Trump nominees... That's <laughs> gonna say. ...who they have said unqualified. Right. I mean, we can never forget the dude who had never filed a motion, and it was a Republican, right. Senator John, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, who was like, do you know this? No, I don't know that one. Right. Do you know this? No, I don't know that one. Right. Uh, I think we covered that in law school. Uh, and it was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. and, it was, and what people don't understand is what Trump is doing. First of all, he has no idea who the hell these people are. What he basically said is, uh, why conservative evangelicals? Here, y'all pick whatever the hell y'all want. And the problem is, people like Lindsey Graham mm -hmm. and Mike Lee of Utah and Ben Sass of Nebraska and John Kenny of Louisiana, they pretty much are allowing these people to go through and they don't care mm -hmm. because they want to pack the bench with right-wing ideologues to sit there for the next 40, 50 years. It's a mockery of the process. You got these folks who... Uh, an L1 student would know more than many of them do. Um, so, you know, we got some some real craziness that's going on. And you're right, it's these senators that continue um, to approve these folks to be able to move forward. And, and, you know, unfortunately, the byproduct of that is going to be, you know, these impacts that we continue to see inside of communities. But here's the reality of it. When we say that this person uh, doesn't have the qualifications, we have a president who doesn't have the qualifications that most presidents would have. We have uh, a leader at HUD um, who has no background in housing. We have a person at the Department of Education who has done everything that they can to, you know, damage, you know, just the right. basic public education. So this is just, you know, a continuation of the process. Uh, before I go to Erica, y'all know I was not going to allow this segment to go on without finding the video. Now, I requested the video, <laughs> and <laughs> The letter also says that you would not commit uh, to being fair to litigants before you, notably members of the LGBTQ community. Can you speak to that? Did you, did you say that you wouldn't be fair to members of the LGBT community? Senator, I, that, was, um, that was the part of the letter...
I did not say that. I apologize. It's all right. I'm sorry. No, I did not say that. I do not believe that. It is a fundamental belief of mine that all people are created in the image of God. They should all be treated with dignity and respect. Senator. Can you commit to, today to, to this committee that you will treat, if, if confirmed, that you would treat every litigant who, who came before you with respect and with dignity? Absolutely, Senator. I would not have allowed myself to be nominated for this position if I did not think I could do that. Including members of the LGBT community and, and any other community that has been historically disadvantaged in this country? Absolutely, Senator. Erica. <laughs> I'm not an attorney. I just play one on Law and Order. Um, <laughs> right. Um, I'm speechless because that was a horrid performance, and um, and again, and I really echo, and I was thinking the same thing that you said, Mustafa, along the lines of. That whole kind of, like, rundown, lazy ideologue, um, not knowing day-to-day -day procedure, that sounds like Donald. I mean, mm -hmm. a day-to-day... -day, I, I believe his day-to-day -day schedule is, you know, uh, chips, burgers, watching all of the networks. So I, I agree, too, that it is pretty much par for the course. Monique, you get five, five, five <laughs> Listen, the reality is... And I don't know if that man was genuine or not... But his performance right there would upset the president who nominated him. He would not approve He's of weak. any of those tears. He wouldn't approve of him apologizing. He wouldn't approve of him doing anything but some I said what I said, deal with what I said yep. stuff. Because, frankly, that man is sitting there and knowing that he's going to get approved. Mm -hmm. So if that injured him, I'm not going to take that as a sign of weakness. What I am going to say is that having this president... Voting matters, people, has shown us the cracks in our system because so much of our appointee system, mm -hmm. whether it's for cabinet positions or whether it's for judges, depends on people having enough care yeah. and integrity about the process to yep. appoint people who are qualified for the jobs. And we are seeing what can happen when we don't. That's right. yeah. And the count is up. We're at, what, uh, almost 200? Yeah. Yeah. And then and he's pointing a lot to the D.C. Court. Mm -hmm. So any mm -hmm. of the claims filed against him, he was he's gonna have his former White House lawyers Absolutely. sitting on that bench being appointed by design. All right, y'all right. gotta go to a break. We come back. We're gonna talk about this battle. David versus Goliath, these major networks are ticked off at this little nonprofit for daring to put their broadcast signal on a website when it's supposed to be free. I'm going to explain to y'all what this means, and trust me, uh, you're going to be very surprised. That's coming up next, Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? 
be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, folks, Life Lux Jazz Experience taking place in Cabo November 7th through the 11th next week. Yours truly will be there. We want you to be there as well. Go to lifeluxjazz.com, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com. 14 acts, Gerald Albright, Kirk Whalum, Average White Band, Shalea, uh, uh, Ronnie Laws. I mean, it's going to be jam-packed. Now, here's the deal. If you can't go, I understand. Uh, but you can also participate by uh, getting the live streaming pass from GFNTV.com. GFNTV.com. $10.99. You'll get to see all of the concerts over the course of three days. It's fantastic. Oh, did I tell you that GFNTV.com? Black owned? Yeah, as well. And so, also, Life Love Jazz Experience? Black owned. A sister created this uh, to provide an opportunity for African Americans who live in a lot of these cold states even though climate change has screwed that sucker up, uh, to opportunity, of course, uh, to hang out in Mexico for four days and have a great time. I'll be doing Roller Martin Unfiltered there next Thursday and Friday from Cabo, but you can experience uh, the concerts by going to gfntv.com and getting your live streaming pass. So please do so, and we look forward to checking it out. All right, folks. So many of you know that I am uh, the closest you can get to a tech geek who's cool. <laughs> Just letting y'all know. Okay. There's, there's no pocket thing. <laughs> I don't wear short sleeve dress shirts and ties. You'll never see me in a short sleeve dress shirt with an ascot. Not gonna happen. So, um, so you know understanding television. Now, here's the deal. The, there's a difference between broadcast networks and cable networks. Okay? Broadcast networks are regulated by the Federal Communications Commission. Those are the public airwaves. They are allowed to broadcast nationally over the public airwaves, meaning it used to be you can get a television, and you can turn the television on, and you can watch all these channels when it was analog, but then when the digital signal convert changed, you had to get a digital uh, signal. Now, it used to be no matter where you live, you could pick up these stations. Some hanky-panky has been going on, though, and I know this for a fact because it's amazing in the places where I live how it's very difficult to get some of these channels. I personally believe what they're doing is they're blocking these signals or limiting the range of the signals to force you to get that cable set-top box to see your favorite channels. Now, let me further unpack that for you. As, again, y'all, this is what I do. I've been doing it for my whole life as a journalist. It's a thing called retransmission. So here's what happened. These, these companies say, well, wait a minute, cable companies, y'all getting paid, and these people are watching ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, so y'all need to start paying us. See, the way cable works, a lot of these cable companies, they get subscription fees. You might get three, five, seven cents, 10 cents. ESPN was getting as many as four to $6 per subscriber, which is why the cable bills were so high. So then the broadcast company said, you gotta pay retransmission fees. 
first person to do that was Les Moonves when he was at CBS. Mm -hmm. He understood the power of their signal. And then we're talking about folks, millions, five, six, seven, eight hundred million dollars in retransmission fees. But they're supposed to have those signals for free to the public. So my next guest created lowcast.org. Uh, now, I want you, I'm going to pull up in a second. And so, uh, so, yeah, so here's their web interface, folks. And so go to my iPad. Go to my iPad. Uh, and so this is what it is. So basically what they've done is they've said, hey, people should be able to see their local stations. So I'm going to go here to the cities. Now, right now, they're in Washington, D.C., Chicago, L.A., Rapid City, Iowa. Uh, that's where Rapid, Rapid City is, right? South Dakota. South Dakota. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of white people. That's what I all know. Oh Atlanta, God. Dallas, New York, San Francisco, Baltimore, Denver, Philadelphia, Seattle, Boston, Houston, Phoenix, uh, Sioux Falls. Also South Dakota. Also South Dakota. Uh, no black people there. Um, and they, yeah, added somebody new. I saw the press release. And Seattle. So, Seattle. Seattle. So basically, if you're in these markets, you can watch your local net stations do this. Now, let me, again, before I get to my guests, let me explain to you. This weekend, I'm in L.A., for the NABJ board meeting. I pay Xfinity, Comcast, for my cable. I should be able to watch my damn cable wherever I am, I'm paying for it. Nope. I pull up the Xfinity app in LA. I can't watch my cable. I'm trying to watch the Astros play the Nationals, and they beat them. But I can't, because they're saying you're out of market. So here I am in the board meeting, bored out of my mind, trying to watch my Astros, and I can't, although I'm paying for it. Luckily, we low-cast. I pull them up. They're in L.A. Click. I watch the game via their website as a result of this being created. The networks did not want to do that. You can't go to the local affiliate to watch the game. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm sorry, but this is the public airwaves. Well, my next guest created low-cast. And he created, not just so you can see it, he actually did it so they could sue him. <laughs> <laughs> the founder and president of Good Friend Government Affairs, David Goodfriend. David, how you doing? Hey, Roland, thanks for having me on the show. Now, is that pretty much the story? Well, that's about as good a send-up as I could ask for. <laughs> you always tell it like it is. That's, that's why I love you. I don't know about your choice of jerseys tonight, but I'll, I it's love you anyway. This the only way I roll. It's the only way I roll. I got no problem with DC tears by 11.30 tonight. Go ahead. <laughs> I better leave that alone. Anyway, look, Roland, the point that you make is true. It's kind of what we're all about. I've been a telecommunications lawyer for a long time. I worked at the FCC at one time. And it always struck me that these public airwaves that are supposed to bring locally oriented public uh, news, weather, sports to everybody in the community, that's kind of been a lost value. You know, the broadcasters have no trouble going to Congress asking for billions of dollars for help. Hey, mm -hmm. we got to move our transmitter. Okay, you got it. What they always argue is we're doing a public service by making these things free to people. Well, you're absolutely right when you say today, if you put up an antenna and you try to get an over-the-air signal, chances are you're going to have some trouble getting it. Yep. That's always been the case. You might get some of them, and right. then if you hit rescan, you might get some of the other ones and not those. It's not like I'm going to get all of them, and that's what I'm, I'm supposed to get. You are supposed to get it. And those broadcast companies have uh, gotten a gift from you, the taxpayer, the American citizen, so that they can make it available to you. And the problem is people are paying more and more and more money. And I'm sorry, but 
when I was growing up, 100 bucks a month meant a lot to our family. And there are plenty of people who simply cannot afford to pay these increasing fees. They're being forced to pay it because they're being told, if you want this whole package, you must pay us. And not just the fees, the set-tops fees. Yes. The cable industry fought viciously right. to keep that. And they said, oh, uh, uh, Google and these folks want to take it over. No. The software, the, well, Google's of the world were saying, damn it, put the apps on the box and sell the box to the consumer. Why is the consumer having to pay a set-top box fee every right. month? This was billions of dollars. That, and then here's the crazy thing. I, I got I, I got direct TV service. When I got rid of it, they went, oh, by the way, you didn't own that box. Well, what the hell did I? Yeah, you were paying a lease fee for I'm it. sorry. You took it back. That's right. I bought something that I didn't own. That's the games they're playing. That's right. And so what they're doing now with this is forcing you, so the, so the broadcasters are forcing you to go to the cable companies to get right. the cable, and the cable companies are paying the broadcasters the retransmission fee to carry their signal, and both of them making like a fat rat. Everybody's making money except you. You're the one who gets shafted every single time. Now, look, uh, I mentioned that I worked at the FCC. I mentioned I've been involved in these issues. And I, I got to tell you, I've been disappointed over and over and over again. I, I have a successful practice. I represent big companies. But I got to tell you, I came to the conclusion that our current legislative process is never going to address this. I mean, we had a good laugh about that, that nominee, but we're living in a dysfunctional political time. And there's never going to be someone who steps forward and says, I'm going to take on those big money interests and do it. So my friends and I took a look at current law. And by the way, this was not our idea. I can't take credit for it. A lot of people have talked about this over the years. But there really is a provision in the Copyright Act that says, if you are a nonprofit, you may retransmit a local broadcast signal. It's very, it's like crystal clear. There's no ambiguity about it. Mm -hmm. And for years, nonprofits would put up these towers, like translator services, they were called. I'm going to collect this signal and then boost it out so everybody can see it. Mm. Nobody ever sued. Nobody ever touched it. We said, I wonder if you could do that over the internet. I wonder if you could collect the broadcast signal over the air and retransmit it as a nonprofit in that market so that people who cannot afford cable can at least see their local broadcast TV stations. Love it. We launched it in January 2018 in New York City. And I thought, as Roland mentioned, like, I did this to, you know, I thought there's going to be a lawsuit. I did. I thought, well, this is what broadcasters do. You do something like this, they sue you. It, it didn't happen. And then we launched another market. And I thought, well, now for sure, I mean, they're going to they're gonna sue and we're going to make our argument in court. And it didn't happen. A year and a half went by. We, we are now serving 40% of television households in the United States. And now they decided to sue. Mm -hmm. I think because they're seeing members of the public actually like this. They've caught on. And we get comments that would break your heart. I never used to be able to see my local public TV station. Mm -hmm. I can't afford cable. Right. Mm -hmm. And you come along, and now I can watch it. Hey, I had to go into my basement during a tornado. Yep. There's no cable down in my basement. The over-the-air signal won't get there. Yep, yep. I used your service to watch the weather reports about the tornado. It saved my life. And so I can't it, make this up. It's all on our website. And the reason, I, website. I, the reason I, I totally understand this, because I had, I've, I've always had portable televisions. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Houston. Right. Okay? Hurricanes. Right. All right? I was raised. You better have a portable device with batteries 
in case power goes out. So I always had the analog, and then I got the digital, uh, the portable digital uh, TVs. But they're now hard to find. Why? Because of the internet. So the problem is, okay, same thing. In a storm, I need to know what the hell's going on because I power gets knocked out, Wi-Fi's out, right. TV's out, okay, radio. All of a sudden, it's like, so how are we now operating? And, and that's the absolute case. Then, uh, again, understanding this, cord cutting comes along. People are saying, right, I'm tired of paying 200, 220 bucks, and now you throw on the internet as well. Uh, uh, now all of a sudden you're paying three and four hundred dollars a month in addition to your cell channel. phone. Oh my God. Right. Four so cord cutting comes along, and people are slashing. So what happens? People start saying, you know what, I don't need all that, because wait a minute, hold up. Why am I paying for the box? If I want to go when scandal's on, I can watch scandal. Hey man, I can get an antenna. We were told, oh, don't, don't get those antennas, a big old rabbit ears. People are like, no, damn that. I put that on, wait a minute, hold up. That's that cost $19.99, a month. I don't care about those rabbit ears. Right. But, but, but you're right. But the problem is, and I don't care, they're limiting those signals. Because I've, I've scanned it too many times. It's happening, Roland. Right. In fact, I will tell they're you. They're doing this. it. In our, so I, I mentioned that the, the big four broadcast networks sued us. Uh, ABC Disney, NBC Comcast Universal, Comcast NBC Universal, uh, Fox, and CBS. They didn't just sue... The nonprofit, though, they sued me personally. Oh, wow. Dirty dogs. Um, it was an intimidation tactic, I right. believe. Um, you will note that I am not intimidated. <laughs> Anybody who's looking. Um, and they also, uh, I think, really opened up a, a can of worms for themselves because um, anybody who's in a fight will tell you the best defense is offense. You get hit, you hit back. Uh, so if they were going to sue me personally, I thought it was only right that I should hit them back. Right. And we hit them back with uh, allegations of uh, collusion and violation of the antitrust laws, systematically trying to undermine our operation rather than just be up front and state your claims. And in those uh, uh, claims, in those counterclaims we filed, we pointed out that um, it is harder and harder to get an over-the-air signal. Uh, and we believe that this is uh, purposeful. It's great for them if you have to go pay a cable company to get their programming. They get a share of those fees. Retransmission so fees. what incentive yes. would they have to make sure that you can get an over-the-air signal? Very little. So the part of this, and, and y'all can jump in with questions as well, but the part of this, by you countersuing, that means that as it goes forward, you can start doing tests oh, to yeah. see, okay, how far is this signal traveling? Yes. Because again, when we switch from analog to broadcast and the federal government resold those rights, I don't know why I know this stuff, y'all, but I do. Federal government resold yeah. that, that technology to wireless providers mm -hmm. for billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. We were told, oh, with the broadcast signal, it's gonna be the same as analog. So you can get the station now in your analog, right. you can get it with broadcast. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you can't. Then you have people like, that was a company, uh, they, had, uh, they had a device which, that connected to the phone, allowed you to pick up the broadcast signal. Oh, yes, yes. So I was like, okay, cool. The company sent me one of the devices and did the same thing. It scanned your local stations. But then I was trying to watch an NFL game. Oh, the NFL was blocking it. And you're like, wait a minute, hold up. I'm sorry. How can I watch it on my TV, but you're blocking it here? Because they wanted me to pay their right internet uh, rights as well. Now, let me be clear about something, though. I, I want to make this really clear because it was a surprise to me. 
I have been surprised at the positive response I've gotten from small, local broadcasters. One of them called me up out of the blue and said, I want to help you. I said, are you sure you have the right number? He said, yeah, yeah, I really, I want to help you. And today, we're in business with a small broadcaster. We put our receive antenna on his tower and our servers in his station. Now, why would that broadcaster want help from us? More people watching local More programs. people yeah. watching local. <laughs> because you know what? Young people, if you say today, do you know the difference between broadcasting and cable? You're like, what? Yeah. You know, it's on my phone or it's not. Their eyes glazed over when Roland was trying <laughs> to <it. laughs> They're like, hmm, really? he's talking foreign language. But you know something? That's a smart, small business person who owns a small station who yeah. says, I'm getting crushed by these big yeah. players from all sides. Mm -hmm. I like you, Lowcast, because you're actually helping me reach a new audience, a bigger audience. I want to work with you. And by the same token, there are plenty of people in the cable industry who are like, uh, do we really like this? This guy's helping people cut the cord. Yep. We might not like that. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned is that within industry, there's, there are big variations of how people feel about this. Among consumers, there is no ambiguity. No. They love it. They are, we are absolutely performing a public service as a nonprofit. And by the way, among the accusations leveled against me is that this is somehow a scheme for me to make money or for me to get ahead. I have collected zero dollars. If, if anything, my wife is mad at me for the amount of time I've spent on this instead of going to make real money. I'm not doing this because I need to make a buck. I'm fine. I'm just frustrated with our policymaking process. I think consumers are getting shafted. I'd like to think when they put me in the ground, I did something useful with my life, mm -hmm. and I'm, this is it. This is the fight of my life. So what can consumers do to help support you? I appreciate that. Well, you can log on. If you're in any one of the markets that we serve, Roland listed a bunch of them. Pull it up. Um, you can go to lowcast.org. You can download the app on mm -hmm. Apple, on Roku, on Android, um, and you can become a contributing member at five bucks a month. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to become a contributing member. Mm -hmm. You can use the service. We're going to bug you a lot and say, please become a contributing member. Mm -hmm. well, you can, most people use the service and don't contribute. That's cool. It's supposed to be free, but we do have costs. We got to rent those, that tower space. We got to buy those servers. So if you would contribute five bucks a month for all your local channels, pretty good deal, mm -hmm. uh, you'll keep us afloat. And the more people that do this, it, it really is fascinating, Roland. This is a true grassroots project. We're funded by voluntary contributions from users, and it's working. It's working. People are grateful. They're like, thank you. You know what? I will contribute to you. So that's the best way to do it. And by the way, you should use the service. It's great. Your local broadcasters, all the advertising that's on there, we just retransmit it. You watch those ads, and it helps locally. And, and see, before Eric, I go to Erica, so one of the, and I'm not picking on anybody, but again, understanding how capitalism works. So when Les Moonves ran CBS, what they did is they created CBS All Access. Right. So essentially, in order for you to watch your local program on your pad, yeah. they want you to buy CBS All Access. And you're like, wait a minute, it's free. Here's something also y'all don't realize. And again, Les Moonves, no longer there, but it was brilliant. They, y'all, this is about to trip y'all out, okay? Again, this is the geek in me talking to y'all right now. I love the geek in you. So when I travel, when I travel, I'm in hotels everywhere. I'm not, I ain't like like these damn kids, okay? I had nine of my nieces and nephews crowding around a 13-inch laptop watching a video when 10 feet away was a damn 50-inch TV. It was the stupidest thing. I, I took a picture like, click, click. It's a big-ass TV. What are y'all doing? So when I go to travel, okay, I plug up my iPad to, my big, to that 50-inch TV in the hotel room. Because I ain't trying to look at the iPad. CBS would block you. 
They will, y'all, they will block. You could not. I would go in the hotel, unplug the HDMI cable, plug it in my iPad, just like this here. This, this, zoom it out. This is the exact same thing. HDMI cable to the adapter into my iPad, plug into the television. They blocked it. I called them. And they said, oh, yeah, you can only watch your content on your iPad. Yeah. I said, hmm. every other network lets me plug in my iPad to the television to watch them on television. No, because they did not want you to cut the cord. Now, listen, Roland, you want to know who really is pissed off about CBS All Access, in my humble opinion? The CBS affiliate. Yep. Yeah. The local affiliate says, wait a minute, I thought I got an exclusive in this deal. I thought right. I was yeah. the provider of yeah. CBS network programming yeah. in Washington, D.C. Right. or Houston. Right. Okay, so, but so, CBS is saying, we're going to crush you. Because you got to explain, but what people don't understand is, is that, okay, so CBS cuts deals with local TV stations to right. be their affiliate. Right. Those are local TV stations. The networks only own call owned and operated stations. And we're only talking about 10, 12, 15. Right. When you get 165, 175 affiliates, you're actually paying somebody else. Right. When they created that all access, the local stations were like, wait a minute, that money's going to y'all. Right. So they're not, and so they're advertising the, and so they're getting, they're losing money, right? Because of that. So let's bring this back to basics, okay? Let's bring it to basics. Of why? why and then Erica, should go care? Ahead. Oh, sorry, Eric. You, you no, no, something? no, please, please. Well, the, the basics here. Real people who have to pay real bills are getting shafted. Mm -hmm. They need a break, okay? How many times have you tried to fight back the cable company or any company, and they say, "Oh, sorry, read the fine print," you you lose. For once, somebody, we are saying, no, you read the fine print. Go read the Copyright Act. It says we can do this. We're on your side, the consumer. That's number one. Number two, localism was supposed to mean something. The local TV station that gives you local news, local weather, local sports, local political coverage. Remember right. that? Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. Local communities actually getting a voice. Remember that? That's really being uh, curtailed in our current system, and it hurts. We actually believe at Locast that we're helping the local affiliate reach a broader audience and thrive and push back, yes, push back a little bit on that big network that's saying, we want to take all the money, we want to own all the eyeballs. And the last thing I'll say is, isn't it about time, isn't it about time that being a nonprofit means you win? Congress had the right idea in 1976 when they said in the Copyright Act, a nonprofit can do something that a for-profit cannot do. Imagine in the world of banking, if credit unions had more of a leg up. Imagine in healthcare, if nonprofit insurance companies worked. They exist, right? Imagine if pharmaceuticals were nonprofit. There were a group of hospitals that actually formed their own nonprofit pharmaceutical company. And I will say, since you're wearing a sports jersey, I'm a Packers fan. The, the Packers are the only nonprofit fan owned team right. in Publicly, all the professional traded, right. And, and they and will not so. allow any other city to do it. There you go. So I believe that if, if we pull the camera back and look at the big picture, what we're really doing here is pro-consumer, pro-local community, and non-profit. And the, those things we need more of in this society right now, not Erica? That. Yeah, I, I was, I'm very glad that Roland had you here Thanks, to explain Erica. it to us and then to the um, larger viewing audience because just reading the article, I must say I did not have a full understanding, so I have a much better, well-rounded understanding. And so with your market expansion, so I'm from Albany, Georgia, which is southwest of Atlanta. It's about 90,000 people. So to you, 
are those markets where there is internet access that you all would be able to expand to as well, where local really is um, very much so a thing? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm really proud of the fact, I know, I know, I know that they, uh, well, I'm not gonna say, I'm very proud of the fact that we have those two markets in South Dakota. They're small, okay? But they came to me and said, we'd really like to have your service in our market. And we worked with them. Uh, they provided the roof space for us to put an antenna. They, they went around and raised money so we could buy the servers and come to town. And an interesting fact is that broadband availability is greater than broadcast over-the-air reach. Let me say it a different way. Wow. You are more likely to have broadband in those communities than you are to get an over-the-air broadcast signal. And that's oh, because God. it changed because the cable companies all own the pipes into your homes, and so they flipped the switch. They said, oh, phone service, not a problem. We have broadband. So you're no longer paying for the phone service. You're not paying these escalating costs, which is why I was a huge proponent of net neutrality. Right on. Saying, forget mm -hmm. this whole deal where if you pay more, you get to be in a faster lane than me. Right. Why am I also a proponent of that? Because this digital show allows us to compete against CNN, MSNBC, right. Fox News. And so if they got an opportunity to be in a faster lane right. and I'm slower, you're going to be frustrated if I'm buffering. You're not going to watch me. And let's, let's, be, let's really put a sharp point on it. Black Lives Matter started as an online movement. If you give somebody a gatekeeper function, they can say that gets shown and that doesn't, you lose that. So I, I'm totally with you on net neutrality. And on the point of the smaller communities, yes, we've actually seen how broadband with an open internet can serve a lot of homes, and a lot of those homes can't get an over-the-air signal. So it's working in South Dakota, and it's working in Manhattan, mm -hmm. where a lot of times people can't get an yep. over-the-air signal. My, my uh, only point to you is if I can get more people to sign up mm -hmm. and contribute, we're going to turn that money right around, buy more servers, launch more markets. We're doing it now. Even though we've been sued, we're launching more markets. We're going to keep marching. And uh, anybody in any community, come find us. If you want to bring Locast to your community, we've done it in two small markets. We'll do it in more. So I'm looking down the line where your lawsuit collides with a stupid judge because that's what we're getting more and more of. And I'm hearing you say that it's right there in the Copyright Act, and that's wonderful. And so we're going to have the judge that doesn't know day-to-day -day operations, <laughs> right, um, and has never filed a motion looking uh. and coming up with some wacky interpretation. And then we'll just chase it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and I have no assurance about anything that could happen there. So I'm wondering, are there any other ways to protect the service that you're providing? Like to me, from what you described, there are real public safety yes. interests involved in people having access to at least local news, which well, me, now right. they do not. They don't. Uh, it's a great question. Um, I'm still idealistic enough to believe in our court system. Mm -hmm. And I'm still uh, idealistic enough to believe that um, even I, as a progressive liberal, am prepared to make a conservative argument to any judge who will listen. The law is what the law says. They say it all the time. Mm -hmm. It's called, you know, plain meaning statutory construction. Well, the law says this. Okay. Then if, if that's really how we're living, then the law says a nonprofit can retransmit. I, I want to put that to the test. It's just a plain meaning interpretation. Now, um, 
I also happen to think that uh, we are in the Southern District of New York, a very, you know, sophisticated court with a very sophisticated judge, a judge who's been around for many years, who's, who's uh, been very fair. And I, I still say it, I have faith in our judicial system. I believe we have the best, strongest, cleanest arguments. Again, the reason they're shooting at me is to distract whoever's the judge right. from what's really going on. Hey, look at that guy. He's a, he's a lobbyist. Right. Hey, hey, look at that guy. He's, he's just trying to make money. We can't prove it, but we think it. He's, he's trying to but, make money. But even if you win, okay, and the bigs get together yeah. and they lobby to get Congress to do what uh, they weren't willing to do before, and okay. then we're looking at legislation to change the Copyright Act. Okay, whatever way yes. the bad people, whatever way the poor people that. who were affected, yeah, I'm waiting for that one. Okay. They're just looking at the lawsuit. They're looking at it right now. No, no, yeah, so you're, you're right. Next. You're absolutely right. So Their next move would be to go to yeah. Congress. Their but next move would go to Congress. What could... I mean, where's the buffer? Is there something that could that we could do in grassroots effort other than mm -hmm. watching that could undergird and support and justify mm -hmm. why this is necessary? Well, because this directly right. affects this directly affects impoverished communities. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. You know, black folk, white folk, all folk, poor folk. But by folks we're giving. They are, that's the database of people who are going to be saying, okay, now let's mobilize and organize. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, again, making the argument mm -hmm. uh, because the cost. What, what has happened is, again, cable, cable reached a point, I think, at its highest inflection point. I think the highest 90%. point, it was, um, uh, it was at 105, 106 million homes. That's right, 90%. So it roughly. used to be 19, early, mid-70s, <laughs> broadcast networks were in 98% of American homes. Yep. Cable comes in late 70s, all of a sudden, then early 80s, then it explodes, and then right. 90s, and it goes up more than 100 million. You only had about 14 to 15 networks that were above 100 million. CNN, HLN, um, ESPN. ESPN was charging. I mean, they were, it, was, it was crazy. So five to seven bucks of every bill was going to ESPN. Then all of a sudden, every year, cable's, cable customer service got worse Bill kept going high. And I was sitting there going, there's going to be a point right. where the public says, Enough. you know what? Y'all yep. can kiss my ass. Yep. And the cable companies kept saying, they'll never leave us mm -hmm. because they were using sports against people. Yep. I, I, I watched my Big Ten game, my SEC game. Then it got to the point, millennials were born. Millennials were like, don't give a shit about TV. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Millennials don't give a shit about TV, coincides with technology. Mm -hmm. Then, for the first time we saw in history, the number of television sets being purchased decrease. Mm. It de I'll never forget, it decreased by 1%. <laughs> and I said, it's a, I know. <laughs> That's this, my kind of weirdo. This I is like my, it. This I like is my it. business. I love this it. is my know your business. And it, it decreased. And I said, it's starting. Mm. Right. And then, about six years ago, I said, when somebody creates a DVR to record over the air, this bad boy's about to accelerate. Channel Master did. They sent me mm -hmm. one. Channel Master, and that's why I don't understand what the, what the hell Tim Cook was doing. If Tim Cook had put a damn coaxial in that Apple TV to now be able to watch over the air through your Apple TV. Well, Apple TV has uh, low cast. You right. can use the low-cast app on Apple TV. That was a key move for us. And so now, if you get that Apple TV device and you don't want to pay a bunch for cable, but you do want to watch your local right. news, whether sports, whatever, 
Download our app right there on Apple TV. Same with Roku. Right. Same with Android. So look, um, there's there's another historical point that I want to put out again to try to make this relevant to the larger themes of your show. Those cable systems were built in urban communities with franchise agreements. Yep. That promised something back to the community. Here, you can use all these rights of way. You can dig up the streets, but you got to serve the community. And yet, those very same systems now have been sold and aggregated into massive corporations, Comcast chief among them. And I don't believe the community that really helped get them off the ground has been given its fair shot. And they gave several to African Americans, David um, uh, Percy Sutton in New York at one of the franchises. Yes. John H. Johnson at one of the franchises in Chicago. Uh, and then they sold those in the early 80s before this whole thing exploded. That's right. And, 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 and you're right. And so, not, and, and so those cable companies then went from owning, and then, because I, look, I have the copy of the speech, Kathy Hughes gave a speech at the Rainbow Push where she said, okay, it's a shame that we launched TV One and we had to give Comcast equity yeah. sure. in our network to guarantee we get put on. Yeah. So that also was happening. And, right. I, and so all those, and so all of a sudden you went from the cable companies now owning the cable channels. Right. And so now they own the content on their very systems, and they're making that money, and not owning the broadband as well. Right. So it's like, oh, we're vertical and horizontal. We don't get the money in every single way. Exactly. And it's so it's, it's all this sort of game. But was it's, it's now it's so costly. Core cutting is blowing up. ESPN is now in 87 million homes. They, That's a lot. They've lost 13. Do the math. They lost 13 million homes, y'all. Multiply 13 million subs by six bucks by 12. They're scared. Billions of dollars lost because people said, I'm sick of paying all this money for cable. And this now allows them to watch. And go to my iPad, please, because see, y'all might be thinking oh, this is ABC, NBC, CBS. No, because of the broadcast, when, the, when it was switched, used to be analog broadcast. Uh, come back to me, I'll tell you, it's an analog broadcast. So here's what happened. So channel four now has channel 4.1, mm -hmm. point two, Point three, point four. So they now have four stations. So Bounce TV, right? Network targeting African Americans. How they become a broadcast network? They went to the local markets and said, "We want to lease from you your point one or point two station." So go to my iPad. So here you see Channel Four, Channel Five, Channel Seven, Channel Nine, yeah, Univision, right. Fox. This independent, this DC, this is the CW. Yep. Then you see WTA. Telemundo, Cozy, uh, Charge, Comet, uh, I don't know what this T, whatever it is, Justice, Get TV, Grit, Bounce, right. Buzz, Me TV, Movies, you know, and so, and, so, and then, and, yes, uh, the, uh, was it, Tele, uh, uh, yeah, the, the bottom, so what has happened, these are all digital stations. Mm -hmm. So it used to be there were three stations growing up. Mm -hmm. Then when Fox came on, it was four. Now because of the digital signal, right. you now have 20 or 30. In Houston, huge international population, it's like 50 channels because now you have, and the same thing in D.C., Vietnamese, right. you have Saudi Arabian, Chinese, you got all these different stations. So now, because of broadcast, some places you've got 40 and 50 stations. Now look, Roland, I'm so glad you're mentioning this because cable companies and satellite companies do not carry those multicast, so-called multicast stations. We do because we're not limited except by how many servers we can buy. So please go contribute and we can buy more servers. 
But this is a way to serve local communities too. You'll notice, I, I keep saying, go to that PBS Kids. That's the multicast stream off of a public TV station. Now you can put that on the phone and throw it in the back seat and have the kids watch PBS Kids while you're in the car on Lowcast. It's UCast now. Oh, is it UKids? Yeah, it's short for Universal Kids. I'm a kid. See, I'm a mom. I'm an empty nester. I would be very excited about that being, that would <laughs> yeah. be a big My kids are all grown, I don't know anybody. Yeah, but but for our offer. audience, and I know somebody's, y'all probably comment, like, why in the hell are you spending all of this time? Because I need, and this is going to be the last point, and then uh, we're going to have David give his final comments, because I need, to, uh, need black people to understand the game. I was with TV One 13 of its first 14 years. Don't think I was just some face. No, I was sent around this country. I helped build that damn network. Mm. Oh, let me be real clear. Mm -hmm. I was sent to Rochester, New York to do community engagement, to get TV One carried there. I was sent to Charleston, to Fort Worth, Texas, sent to San Antonio, sent to cities all across the country. Jonathan Rogers, the founding CEO, my alpha brother, good friend of mine, we talked the business. I ain't just some person sitting on the air. I know the business of this business. Here's what the cable companies did. They put, BET was the first black cable network. So BET basically was grandfathered in, BET's on basic cable. You can go to a hotel room anywhere in the country. For the most part, any place in the country, BET is gonna be a local cable system because they're on basic cable. Every other black network that came after them, they put them on the higher tier. I did work with major broadcasting cable network, later became the family channel, that's what they did. But that's what they did with TV One, they put us on the top tier. So what they did to black folks is, listen to me, y'all, they will put TV One near on the same tier as HBO, Showtime, and Stars. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted TV One, mm -hmm. you had to pay for the highest level of cable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hear what I just said? Black people, less income than any other group, lowest, low, uh, lowest amount of wealth, forced to pay higher cable bills because of where black, black networks are. That was by design. They put black, Monique says she's a parent. Guess who is also in the highest tier? Family channels. Because they want families paying for the highest cable possible. So, black people are paying for the highest cable and the set-top box and spending 150, 200 bucks a month on cable. This, now says, wait a minute, you don't need to do that. And now, whether on your pad, your phone, your computer, or Apple TV, whatever, you can watch it wherever you want to watch it. Understand the game. Billions are being reaped off of us, and that's what is trying to be protected here. David, final comment. Well, Roland, I want to end by talking about something from my day job so you can see where my heart lies. One of my clients is a man named Byron Allen. He is an African-American media company owner of the highest order. He recently bought the Weather Channel, mm -hmm. as mentioned. Byron sued Comcast for discrimination under the Civil Rights Act of 1866 for discriminating Comcast, in Comcast Charter, several. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. Yep. All right, so you've covered the case. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a company, Comcast, that rather than go to trial just to prove that they didn't discriminate, would rather appeal to the Supreme Court and its conservative majority and work with the Trump administration. They've actually given time to the Trump Which, DOJ. Because when you go before the Supreme Court, you only get, what, 30 minutes? For They've all given arguments? 10 of those minutes. They have given 10 of those minutes to the Trump Department of Justice. I can't recall the last time a private entity right. gets given the government 
time, their time, to argue on their behalf. So I, I bring this up because when you connect those dots and explain to the African-American community what's going on and what they're up against, I'm being sued by that company, personally. And I welcome that fight. And I welcome the chance to beat them in court so that ordinary people can get a break for once. These things are not unrelated. They're absolutely connected. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for bringing me on the show. I and appreciate talk about Lowcast. Uh, folks, again, uh, it is uh, lowcast.org. Please show it again, and you'll see it when you actually log in. Uh, you see a live TV guide. These are all the cities that you can actually see the local programming in, and then you have the particular profile uh, as well. Uh, the donate button is here as well. I told y'all, I mean, that's the only way I was able to watch the game. Uh, and because other, I didn't have my sling, uh, sling box connected. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, you have to buy all the other stuff to be able to watch programming you're already paying for, which is nonsensical. Uh, but that's what's going on here. And so, David, we certainly appreciate it. And the Byron Allen Supreme Court uh, case is going to be heard on November 13th. November 13th, uh, that's right. And so uh, i got to find out how, how we get a seat to actually um, uh, hear the oral arguments. We plan on having our cameras there, and so I want to be able to hear those arguments and then get folks uh, uh, in and out. So, again, lowcast.org. David, we appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. All right, folks, real quick, the family of Antoine Rolls II will receive nearly $1.2 million from a settlement in a federal civil lawsuit filed against East Pittsburgh and former police officer Michael Rosfeld. Court records show 17-year-old Rose was shot and killed by Rosfeld after June 19, 2018 traffic stop in East Pittsburgh. In March, Rosfeld was found not guilty of criminal charges in connection with Rose's death, including homicide. The lawsuit said that Rose's civil rights were violated and that Rosfeld's actions were unlawful and unwarranted and that the lack of training and practices at the East Pittsburgh Police Department caused, in part, the teen's death. And so $1.2 million. Folks, actor and comedian John Witherspoon has passed away. Early today, his family tweeted, It is with deep sadness we have to tweet this, but our husband and father, John Witherspoon, has passed away. He was a legend in the entertainment industry and a father figure to all who watched him over the years. We love you, pops, always and forever. Monique, well, first of all, born in Detroit, Witherspoon had an amazing career that included the Friday franchise, Hollywood Shuffle, The Wayans Brothers, Richard Pryor Show, Incredible Hulk, Good Times, The Tracy Morgan Show, Vampire in Brooklyn, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, Boomerang. Oh, y'all know, Courtney! Black Jesus. Yeah. Boom, Dots, and much, much more. He started out as a stand-up comedian in 1977 and went on to movies where he continued to perform well into his 70s. He was set to reprise his role in Last Friday, but the project has not started filming yet. The Pops of Black Hollywood will be sadly missed by his family and countless fans. John Witherspoon was 77 and one of the absolute funniest yes. people ever. A man who could cuss in rhythm and it would be funny. Yes, yeah. yes. And he had a cooking show too on YouTube, so I'm definitely really? going cooking to. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Like that, right? Yeah, it, it, it is. About that today. Yeah, yeah. It, it is absolutely hilarious. You have to see it. It's like an old school kitchen. He doesn't have a shirt on, just has the apron and his pants, and um, has um, made profound chili. So um, we we definitely miss you, Pop the Boondocks, and I'm gonna get you sucker. He was doing papers. 200 shows a year, 77 yeah. years old. Mm -hmm. uh, Guy Torres on the time joining the show this morning. He said. He said, man, he was just tired. And matter of fact, D.L. Heakley had him on the show last week. Yeah. I texted D.L. last night, and he was like, yeah, I literally just had him on, uh, and he passed away. Uh, it was uh, early this morning. I was I was up after my event last night. Mm. All of a sudden, I began to see the post, his family posted, yeah. yeah. Uh, he passed away unexpectedly, 77. Mm -hmm. Rest in power. Yeah. Rest in power. Yeah, and he mentored so many people, um, and my my cousin actually posted something earlier because they were all at uh, Magic Johnson's birthday celebration over the summer and they, everyone was talking about just how wonderful it was to see him in his element.
So. Yep. Absolutely hilarious. And so uh, I happened to be on the plane today flying back from Indianapolis. Uh, and of course, he was in Soul Plane. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just kept rewinding it back. It just, John Witherspoon was absolutely was crazy, really. so it leaves a great body of work. We appreciate it. All right, folks, uh, I got to go. Tomorrow I'll be broadcasting from New York. Culture Shift takes place. We'll be broadcasting from the Apollo Theater tomorrow and Friday. We want you to support Roland Martin Unfiltered. Of course, this is what we do, bringing you information you're not going to get anywhere else. And so please go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Joe and I bring the Funk Fan Club. Every contribution you give goes to support this show. You can give via Cash App, PayPal, or Square. We certainly would appreciate that. Thank you to the Stewart Brothers uh, last night for having their lecture series 30-plus years in Indianapolis, the state of black America. We focus on economics, and so uh, we're going to be restreaming that as well. And so if you missed it, go to our YouTube channel and check that out. Uh, and so please do so. And of course, I got to go because uh, in about 25 minutes, game seven begins. Astros versus Nationals. Uh, I can, I, look, I ain't trying to have history made. I, I saw this tweet. Let me, hold on, let me find it. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life because we were asking the question, and this is nuts, and I'm really about to go on y'all. This is crazy. In the history of Major League Sports, where is this damn thing? In the history of Major League Sports, this guy put this thing together, uh, and I sent it. Okay, here it is. There have been 1,420 championship series in Major League Baseball, hockey, and the NBA. This is the first time ever where the road team won all games. That shit ends tonight, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Astros winning at home, just letting y'all know that shit wins tonight is because... Uh, yeah, oh, well, he, he a bandwagon. No, no, no. Henry is oh, a bandwagon Nationals oh, fan. Uh, no, he ain't no real Nationals fan. Uh, and so, I went out. So again, zoom in. The Astros gonna get another one of these tonight. Zoom in, damn it. I'm paying you. And yes, it's Henry's birthday. He's like 59 or something like that. Uh, and so, the Astros gonna get one more of these tonight. Game seven. Uh, I've been killing. Huggy Lowdown. We're going to have lots of fun with it. All right, y'all. I got to go. We'll see y'all later. H-Town, holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.